Hello, I'm Todd Starnes, lead pastor of Odessa First Assembly, and I'm grateful that you joined us today. I hope and pray that this message will encourage you and bless you. And remember, you can find more information about us at odessafirstassembly.com. God bless you. As I was uh, preparing and looking to this week and sharing, I'll be honest, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you write a sermon, you think, man, this is going to be a home run, and then, like, you hear nothing from nobody. Not a thing. And then sometimes you write a sermon, and you're like, this sermon is definitely not in the upper echelon of sermons I've ever written. And it's amazing, it, it, and this is no, no exaggeration, it's like, I go out in the foyer, great word, pastor. It's like, were you listening to me? You know? <laughs> and so, uh, I got to, I'm... In preparing this sermon, i got to tell you, it's, the only way I know to describe it, I told Angela this week, I think it's just one big, long introduction. It's like, if these last two weeks I could tell you, kind of describe what it is, it's like last week was introduction part one, and this is introduction part two, before we really actually get into and digging in into God's promises. But I'm going to tell you, I think this is so critical this morning because I think we need to understand how to allow God's word to transform us. How does that work? And so that's really been the goal of the last two weeks. How, I mean, how does it happen that our minds are renewed daily by the Word of God? How are we transformed by God's Word? I mean, last week we talked about some practical things the, of the Word of God, the 66 books, the 40 authors, the the uh, uh, over 15, written over 1,500 years, the, the writers being tax collectors and shepherds and prophets and kings and, and doctors and fishermen. Uh, there's all kinds of diversity that we look through and see in Scripture. Three different languages written in three different continents, Africa and Asia and Europe, and yet God's Word is true. God's word rings truth, is true, is infallible. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 1.21, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's that inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And I think the, the, the most common discussion I ever get into is if God's word is infallible, then why does Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John read so differently? Well, one of the reasons, very simple, that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John read so different is because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I know this is going to be like mind-blowing, but they were different men. They were different men. And so when I hear the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart, he talks to me in a different way, and I understand it in a different way than what you might understand. But what we see is how this beauty of how God's Spirit breathes His Word, and yet in my own personality, I can interpret that and write it down. It's a beautiful thing that happens. 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is breathed out by God. It's all been inspired by Him, and it's profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and training in righteousness. And so some things I told you last week, number one was this, is that
that God's word can never mean what it was never meant to mean. God's word has a meaning. As a matter of fact, that leads us to number two, is that God's original purpose for his word is still his purpose. It hasn't changed. Society, our culture, is trying to redefine God's word, but it cannot be done. You can't make it mean what it was never meant to mean, and it still means what it's supposed to mean. The second thing is, is that God's word is alive and it's active. And that number four is that God's word is eternal. And we read, we know some of it, if you've been in church any amount of time, you've heard Hebrews 4.12, that the word of God, it's that it's living and it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides bone and flesh and joints and marrow and thoughts and hearts and it has a discernment to the intentions of the heart that's what God's word does and so as I was kind of just processing this and thinking about this about the promises of God's word his word I mean his word is both the uh, the foundation the uh, the as uh, I, I was trying to think of a better term but the establishment and but it, God's word is also living right it's life it's bread it's water it's sustenance and so we get this foundation for life be it it's something that is planted in our hearts and it transforms us and it changes us I, we have a saying here, a value, is that growing people change. Growing people change. And I, so I want to remind you that if you're here this morning and you're a believer, you're a Christian, you're a disciple of Jesus, what I'm going to talk about just in a few moments is that any of us that number ourselves as being believers we are in a state of constant growth and change. It never stops. Our maturity process never stops. I mean, even Paul, I mean, I would dare say, I would dare say that there, I know this may be a bold statement, and I include myself in this, that, I mean, would any of us really feel comfortable getting a theological battle standing toe-to-toe with the Apostle Paul? I mean, does anybody have that confidence that they could? And yet he says, I haven't arrived yet, but I press on. Do you hear me this morning? And so maybe you've heard this, but I've heard the definition of insanity. The definition of insanity is what? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expect a different result. And yet that's the same way that a lot of people live their spiritual life. Right? I mean, if growing people change and something's got to shift, something's got to give. And did you know there's even a verse we could use towards that? Isn't the Bible awesome? And it's in Romans chapter 6, verses 17 and 18. Look what it says here. But thanks be to God that you were once slaves to sin. You were once slaves to sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Verse 18, and having been set free from sin, having become slaves of righteousness. You know what that repetitive cycle of insanity is? It's continuing to live in the place that God says that's what you were supposed, that's where you were, but that's not who you are now. You were a slave to that sin, but now you're a slave to righteousness. 
You live according to how you think and feel. We live according to how we think and feel. And the problem with living how we think and feel is that circumstances can dictate our life, but we must dictate our life by the truth of God's Word. By the truth of His Word, not how we feel about something. How many times have I said, I mean, I, sometimes i got to look myself in the mirror and say it, do not, do not live life. Do not make a decision about how I feel. But what is the, the foundation of God's Word tells me? What is that alive, active, enduring Word of God speaking to my heart and make my life decisions based upon that? This is where rubber meets the road, so it comes simply down to this. I act like the world that I am in. I act like the world that I'm in. See, the Bible tells us what? That we are aliens here. So either my home is the world or my home is not the world. And I'm living according to one world or the other. Are you following? I'm either living according to the patterns of this world or I'm, I'm living according to the kingdom of God. I... I'm either going to be a slave to sin or I'm going to be a slave to righteousness. I'm either going to live like the world or I'm going to live according to God's promises. I mean, when we're living according to the world and, and uh, the Word of God is really not having any transform, it's not transforming us. We're not allowing that to happen. We're not allowing that sort of to happen. How do I respond when people treat me badly? I give them the what for, Right? How do I respond? When, I mean, if we're living in that repetitive nature of that sinful flesh, then that's how I respond to things. How do I handle difficult situations? Well, you can look at our culture and see that the way that our culture handles difficult, difficult situations is self-medication. Whether it be an addiction or whether, I mean, to, to a, a controlled substance or, or alcohol or, or even a hobby. We try to cover those holes and mend those wounds with external things that will never do it. Or how about, I mean, when we just look about our standard of, uh, of sexuality and, and sexual conduct, I mean, according to the world's standard, if you're living towards that, innocence and, and virginity, it, I mean, that's, uh, that's weird, that's odd that we would stand and believe for those things. But if we respond as believers, how do I treat people when I'm treated badly? Well, Scripture tells us, do not repay evil for evil, raveling for raveling, but on the contrary, bless, because you were called that you may obtain a blessing. How do I handle difficult situations? I'm going to be honest. I, I, I would love to say that you get to the place that uh, you know, it, 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 it gets easy, but I'm going to... I, unless somebody can enlighten me, I don't think it ever does. Because no matter how long I've been in this thing, I've had to stand on Philippians 6. 8. Matter of fact, I, I'm going through something right now that is confronting what this verse tells me. Do not be anxious for anything, but in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. 
And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, just, whatever is pure, lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about those things. It's a consistent, continual process. And so, one of these, of course, I understand that... uh, as we're looking at this, or something I want you, when you're looking through Scripture, what I, when, and, and you're, you're standing on promises or passages, and you're looking at, and, and, and the Word of God is confronting you and contending with you. As I talked about last week, there are the if then statements, the commands of Scripture. And see, where growth happens is our understanding about the commands of Scripture. And, one, and, and so just so you know, one of the commands of Scripture is do not repay evil for evil. I mean, it, the Scripture is directly telling us how to live our life. And the Bible is saying, if you do this, if you will not return insult for insult, if you will not return cursing for cursing, but if you'll give blessing instead of trying a, a reaction, right, that you're not going to tell me that, but if you, if you pour on them blessing, the Bible says, what, if you do that, then the problem is a lot of us, we're, you know, we're like, you ain't going to treat me like that, but then the blessing doesn't happen in our life, and we're like, God, you said I'm going to be blessed, Well, then do what Scripture tells us to do. I mean, there are commands that are given to us by... Why am I... How does this make sense when I'm talking about the promises of God? Because you can't have either or. You've got to learn to take it all, the full Word of God, as it is, and to dictate your life, your thoughts, your patterns, and you'll truly learn what it is to receive the blessings of the Lord and the promises of God. That was a mouthful. I don't know if you follow me, but I, I know where I'm at. I, I, one morning I woke up. I woke up this morning, and um, I, I, you know, and this I, I'm not gonna listen. This really. I mean, usually my first thought when I wake up is like, I, that's like the last thing I want to do. <laughs> but one morning when I woke up, I had this thought: the way to win over problems and temptation. Remember what those problems are, and I'm, we're gonna redefine it again this week. Or our problems or those circumstances. I mean, life's trials that we find ourselves in, but the way to win over problems and temptation is through growth. Is through growth. But that it never gets easier is not really a negative. It's, but what it is, we understand that we're continually growing, and whatever I have faced in the past is what's going to help me face what's next. It's a growth process and it's always standing on the promises of God's word we do not live our lives based on circumstances we live our life based on truth we don't live our lives according to circumstances we live our lives according to truth and that spirit-led living life controlled by the spirit, I mean, that's what really brings us growth. It's what brings us discipleship. It's what brings us dependence upon the spirit of God when we face temptations or troubles. And so let's look at it. Let's look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. It says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. May Grace and peace be multiplied. Let a multiplication effect of grace and peace happen in your life because 
of the knowledge of God at work within you. Listen to me. So right, how is this happening? I, my knowledge of God, it comes through one source, and that is through the Word of God. And as I become knowledgeable as I pursue the Word of God and the truth that it teaches and it, he's, it speaks into my life, there is, how, how many would want to have grace and peace multiplied in your life? His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How many times have I heard somebody say, I just can't live for God. There is no greater lie from the pit of hell. That is the exact opposite of the truth that God's Word teaches us, that you have been given everything you need to be able to live this life for God. Everything. You lack nothing. His divine power has granted us all things, not some, not a little bit, but all that pertain to life and godliness, that listen through what, through what, through what? Th through knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. I'm going to tell you, you I, I want to say this gently, but I, don't, I really don't know if I can. If you are not in your Word, if you are not in the Bible, you're not going to get this thing right. You've got to soak and read, meditate, stand on, believe, trust, have faith in what God's Word is telling you. By which He has granted us His precious and great promises, so that through them you may become partakers in the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that's in the world because of sinful desire, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, with knowledge. With your, your faith with virtue and your, your virtue with knowledge. I mean, God wants to multiply to you that unmerited favor. God wants to multiply you to you peace to have in your, your life. And where we gain that is through the knowledge of God. And I'm going to tell you, I believe in the encounter. I believe in the experience. I, I believe in those moments when the Holy Spirit sweeps through a room and you get the goosebumps and the hair on the back of your neck stand up and you start blowing snot bubbles. I mean, that you really encounter God. I believe in those moments. But I'm going to tell you something. I have seen, I've lived this life long enough to realize that no matter how much I encounter God as an experience or be slain in the Spirit or, or, or refill in the Holy Spirit, what truly dictates the way and the steps I take in this life is the Word of God. And I say that, believe me, I, I don't think there's many more Pentecostal than me. I believe in the work of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and move. But what that does, that, that seals the work that God is doing in us through His Word. I may just made some people mad. I'm sorry. Oh, to become partakers of his divine nature. I mean, his precious and great promises. And then it goes on to say, in, uh, a little further down in, in 1 Peter, or back, backwards, backwards, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse uh, 23. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living abiding word of God.
God's promises are like the stars. The darker the night, the brighter they shine. I don't remember who said that. That's not original to me. But I'm so grateful. And then it, it tells us that uh, then there's things supplemented to our faith, this virtue. And, but listen, spiritual maturity happens when we believe that no matter the circumstance we face, all we need to hear God to say is because I said so. I've said many, and it's a difficult statement to make, and it's, it's maybe even harder to process, but I've said it so many times that you can never grow beyond your last disobedience. And, and the reason for that is, is that it, it's, it's like one of those if-then statements. It's that if, if we're going to grow, if we're going to mature, then no matter what Scripture tells us, when it tells us it, we do it. We live by it. Am I making sense this morning? So spiritual maturity happens when we believe that no matter what circumstances we face, all we hear to God to say is because I said so. We want to get to the place where we rely on God's nature and not our own, and that transformation happens through the Word of God. Yes, with the empowerment and the partnership with the, with the third person of the Trinity and the Holy Spirit, but we must learn how to rely on God's promises. God's promises are every truth and commandment that he's revealed to us in his word. And we know that God has written his word to everybody, but any point in time when you're reading through scripture, you're confronted with two things when you look through scripture. One is, is just like we read and where he says that we don't return insult for insult. I mean, we see these direct commands on how we're supposed to live life. And what we do, we take that command and we look in the mirror and we say, am I doing this? Am I living by this? Are you following me? I, I'm really battering right now how specific I should get. But I'm going to tell you, a lot of us are living in an area of sin in our life, and, re- and we're wondering, what, where is God? Why, why, don't, why I'm not as blessed? How come I don't have peace? How come, how, you know, and all these how come questions, but the fact of the matter is you can't move on past that obedience because God's already showed you his command in his word. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to browbeat anybody. <laughs> but listen to me. But that's also when we learn in accepting those commandments, that's what empowers us to hold on to the precious promises. Because it takes us having both. And remember, how do we see those promises of God come to pass in our life? Faith, perseverance, obedience, understanding. Faith, perseverance, obedience, understanding. Last week I talked to us for a few moments about that faith. How, what does that faith mean? How, how does that operate? And this morning I just want to take a few moments and talk to you about perseverance. Uh, because here's the deal, is whenever, whenever we're confronted with the truth of God's word, whenever we come across these commands or these promises, there's something that's going to happen is that you are going to be tried (laughs) you're going to go through the fire because of that promise that you're receiving do you hear me this morning and i i mean if i were to go back here and later in the year as we're doing you know we're doing the promises of god i'm going to do a sermon series on the parables and and the verse the the very first parable i'm going to preach on is the parable of the sower 
And what you're hearing even now through this is, is a lot of what that, that parable tells us, that when the Word of God is given, that's the farmer that scatters seed. When that seed is the Word of God, when the, that, when the Word of God is given, I mean, there's four things that can happen. Either we allow enemy to rob it, right? We can allow the enemy you know, to attack and, and to steal that promise, and we see that happen so many times. Or we can allow the circumstances of life choke out that Word. Our, and really what that is is that we're more in the world than where we are with the kingdom of God. But it also talks about shallow roots on that stony path and that happens because we don't allow that word that seed to persevere and that's explicitly what it talks about and so what do we want we want our roots to grow deep right we want our roots to grow deep and so circumstances will test your faith and the promises there's a scripture and Jesus was talking about himself but it still lends to us a very significant principle. And you find it in John chapter 12 and verse 24. In John chapter 12 and verse 24, it says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth, some translations actually say seed there, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and what? And dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And so, yes, again, Jesus is talking about himself, that, you know, about his death and his, his resurrection, but it also gives us a true principle that when a seed goes in the ground, what happens to it? It transforms from a seed. It's, when, when that sprout starts to come out and the roots start to form, it transforms into something. It's no longer a seed. It's, it's a plant. And if and that plant's got to receive what? It's got to receive the rain. It's got to receive the nutrients. It's got to receive the sun. It's got, there's all these elements it must receive. And so it's the same with us. Whenever we receive God's word, you must know that there is going to be an attack on that which you want to receive. There's going to be a battle. There's going to be spiritual warfare that takes place. Matter of fact, you're going to try to stand on a promise. Listen to me. You're going to try to stand on a promise of God and all the facts around you are going to say different. All the facts around you are going to say different. And so at that moment, what are you going to believe? Are you going to believe with what you see of the circumstances around you or are you going to believe the Word of God? Are you going to believe the Word of God? When straight, I mean, when, when, and I said some of these things very quickly last week, and I'm going to, I am, I'm going to repeat them again, but I'm adding to it a verse. It, it's not going to be on the screen. Maybe you want to jot some stuff real fast or look at you version or whatever, but listen to me. When Satan tries to make you believe a lie, isn't that what the enemy tries to do? The Bible says that he's what? He's the father of lies. Matter of fact, the Bible says his native tongue is that of lies. I mean, your native tongue may not be English. It may be, it may be I mean, my I'm native lung, lung. Oh, that reminded me. I have a nephew one time. He talked. He was anyway. Boy, my mind is. We were in there. He was a little bitty. My nephew. And he talked about what's that speaking in lung stuff, but uh, tongues. But um, I just totally forgot where I was. But anyway, so uh, when Satan tries to make you believe a lot, because that's what the Bible. I mean, uh, this is this is the only language that I know. Lies is the only language the enemy knows. He cannot speak any other language than that of lies. Right? 
And so whenever you're trying to receive a promise from God, what is the, the enemy's going to try to steal it, snatch it, manipulate it, whatever he can do, that it's not that word to change that promise and then therefore nullifying it. But the Bible says that uh, uh, you're from God and you've overcome the, the, the things of the world and the false teachers and all that kind of stuff. But he says this, for who is in you is greater than he that's in the world. You see, when the enemy is coming at you with lies, you, you, you say, no, the enemy, you're a liar. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And then we stand on the promise. When circumstance don't go your way, I mean really, when it feels like all of hell is fighting against you, and, and sometimes we want to blame God, sometimes we want to blame other people, some people we, we blame ourselves, we've got to remind ourselves that, for I know the plans that I have for you, saith the Lord, plans that prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. We stand on those promises. When you face temptation, there is a promise. Did you know God, as we've already read before, has given you everything you need to live holy? God's given you everything you need to live for Him. Everything. He's empowered you. He's given you everything you need. And the Bible says that no temptation has overtaken you except which is common to man. And God is faithful. He's faithful. He's going to provide that way of escape, but it may take some will on the inside of you to say no. <laughs> when you get sick, there's a promise. Listen, our symptoms or whatever we're facing... I mean, that's, that's how we're diagnosed, right? You have a certain set of sy symptoms. You know, something is wrong. You go to a doctor. They diagnose you with something. And so, I mean, it's, it's medical. It's, it's truth, right? I mean, you have the symptoms. You may have some kind of diagnosis, even, no matter what that diagnosis may be. But did you know that's not God's truth for you? It's not. Now, I know the first, if you've been around a while, I mean, we wonder, we, we wrestle with, uh, uh, well, if that's true, how come so-and-so hasn't got healed yet? How come I haven't been healed yet? And I, I, I cannot, I wish I could. I, if I were to try to answer that question, that, it would be just a bunch of stuff that I'm just making up. But here's what I know, is it doesn't change God's promise. God still heals he does. He still heals. That's who he is. I mean, he said, I'm the Lord God that heals you. That's the biblical truth. And there's many of us in this room that you've experienced a supernatural miracle or healing. When you feel alone, I mean, we all sometimes face that, right? We go through that. We, we, we have those times of loneliness. We, whether it be we don't feel like anybody sees us or on our side or we're really battling through a time of loneliness. I mean, Scripture promises, Hebrews 13, He will never leave you nor forsake you. It's His promise to you. And so I know what we may feel. Are you following me? I know what I may feel and I know what I may see but God's word says the truth. When you're discouraged, has anybody ever been discouraged? Anybody? Anybody? Want, anybody been discouraged? If you, I mean, for real, and it's not rhetorical. If you've been discouraged, raise your hand. Raise your hand if you've been discouraged. I mean, some of you, like, I need to counsel with, you need to counsel me. 
Um, but the Bible says, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushing spirit. Many are the afflictions of the... You guys hear me pray this and talk about this so often. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Our God is a deliverer. When you're exhausted, anybody been exhausted? You've just been spent? I mean, you're giving everything to everybody? You know, and I... I, I whether it be because of stresses or anxieties or maybe your mom with young kids, whatever it may be, but you're like giving, 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 but yet Scripture promises us in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me all who are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. But see, to, to apply that promise in our life, it takes a, a surrender When you need hope, the Bible says in Romans 5, 5, your hope will not be disappointed. When you need freedom, the Bible says in John 8, 36, for the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. The promise of Scripture is so powerful. Learning to receive God's promises will impact both our need and our growth. It's a both and. It's, it's going to impact the way we, listen to me, it's going to impact the way that we live life and the way that we live through that life. The promises of God's Word is going to impact the way we live life and the way we live through that life. You understand what I mean by that? I'm reminded of a story. I, I shared this some years ago on a, on a Wednesday night, I believe. I was kind of looking at my notes and... I came across uh, um, this man from Vietnam, a story about him. And of course, you know, Vietnam, it, was, it fell under communist rule. And this man was a Christian, and he was arrested and placed in prison. But he was a disciple of Jesus. He was a believer. And, uh, but his captors, those that held him in prison... I mean, they, they, took his, they took his Bible and would only allow him to read things written by Karl Marx or uh, uh, Friedrich Engels, and they, they forbid him, they, they wouldn't allow him to read in English. And so that the only thing they would allow him to read is, is, the, is a communi the Communist ma uh, Manifesto. And his captors, um, I mean, they just, it was this consistent battle against him and and the way that he believed. It even came a point in time that he felt like God had abandoned him. And he even at one point, he came to the place and he decided, he said that he would give up his daily prayer. He, he really saw no fruit. He saw nothing happening, nothing changing. And, and so he made a conscious choice that he would give up his daily habit of prayer. The next day, they assigned him um, to work the camp's latrine. Everybody knows what a latrine is, right? So they assigned him to uh, work the camp's latrine and, for cleaning duty. And, I mean, he, he describes it as being just awful. The stench being unimaginable um, and just an awful place to be. And when he was cleaning, he came across a bucket that the, the guards were using uh, there was a bunch of paper in there that guards were using for toilet paper. 
And as he's emptying that out, something caught his eye. And what caught his eye was a page that you know, he realized was a page of Scripture. And it was Romans chapter 8. And so he took that little page of Scripture and he cleaned it off. And he took it back to his room that night. And by candlelight, he began to read the words, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, we, for your sake, we are being killed all day. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. His circumstances didn't change, but he found the word, and it brought him comfort. And so you know what he did? He volunteered to clean the latrine the next day. And the first thing he did is when he checked that bucket. And when he checked that bucket, you know what he found? He found somebody that had used a page out of the Bible, Romans chapter 9, that they had used for toilet paper. And so he began collecting those pages and cleaning them off and standing on them and, and, uh, and living by them. Every day he found scriptures in that trash bucket. So, I mean, we know that a guard was using it for toilet paper but listen to me God used those words those scriptures those pages to restore his heart and his faith in God and it did not come easy it did not come easy matter of fact I would dare say that he had had to have some perseverance to hold on to those scriptures and he treasures God so much in his heart and the, from these foulest places he received it years later he came to the U.S. he said I have found there is no longing of the human heart that is satisfied more than knowing the Lord thank you so much for joining us today I hope that this message was an encouragement to you remember you can find more about us at odessafirstassembly.com and also across the social media platforms. It is our prayer that God blesses you, keeps you, sustains you. And if you're ever in the area of the Permian Basin, come and join us at Odessa First Assembly. God bless you.